Today we are kicking off a brand new series, and it's one that I'm really excited about here at Mosaic. The title of the new series is called Wise Up. Now, for those of you who may be new to Mosaic, I want to take just a little bit, and I want to tell you a little bit about where we've been, and then talk a little bit about where we're going For the last few months, we have been studying the book of Ecclesiastes. It's this Old Testament book where there's all kinds of wisdom literature that is in it. In fact, this is a book that really does teach us how we can live our lives in a way that honors God. But it's also a book that is teaching us that when we live our lives in a way that honors God, it is really, really good for us because it makes life so much better. Now, I want you to know why I'm excited about this new series. When you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, the first six chapters of the book and the last four chapters of the book are virtually the same. What Solomon does as he's writing is he takes some time to identify specific subjects. He's making observations about his world, the way that people do life, and then he shares some wisdom about how they probably should be doing life as he thinks specifically about those topics. But when you come to these two chapters, chapters 7 and 8, where we're going to be for the next four weeks, what Solomon does is he shifts gears. Instead of just thinking about topics, what he does is he shares one great piece of advice after another, after another, after another. In many ways, the book is structured a lot like the book of Proverbs. And so when you read these two chapters, you're kind of reading and it feels very much like the greatest hits version of King Solomon's wisdom. I mean, it's just one incredible piece of advice right after another. Now, I've told you throughout our study of the book of Ecclesiastes that Solomon was the wisest mortal man who ever lived. But as we start this new series called Wise Up, I want you to see for yourself what God had to say about Solomon's wisdom. You can find all of this stuff in the Old Testament book, 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon has just become king of Israel, but he became their king as a very young man. And so in a very real way, Solomon is now the king, but he's overwhelmed by the responsibilities that he's been given. In a lot of ways, Solomon feels like no one has prepared him to do what he is now being expected to do. And so in 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon says to God, I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Okay, so Solomon understands that there is a gap that exists between what he is being asked to do and what he feels like he is capable of doing. And so he goes to God and he says, God, if I'm going to do this job, if I'm going to carry out my responsibilities, then you're going to have to show up. You're going to have to fill in the gap. So he says this in verse 9. He says to God, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? 
And so in verse 12, God shows up and God says, I'm going to make sure that I fill in the gap for you because of what you've asked. And so God responds. He says, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And apart from Jesus Christ, Solomon was and still is the wisest mortal man who has ever walked on the planet. But I want you to see that he became that man because he went to God and he said to God, I don't have what it takes. I believe that there are a whole lot of people in our world right now who feel very much like Solomon felt. Some of you right now, you look at your life and you look at the responsibilities that you have and you feel like you've been thrown into something that no one prepared you for. A lot of people that I talk to right now, they say they feel very overwhelmed by all that is expected out of them. I'm talking to a lot of people right now who would admit that they don't feel like they have what it takes, that there really is a gap in their life between what they're being asked to do and what they feel like realistically they can do. And if that's the way you feel, then you need to do what Solomon did. You need to be willing to go to God in a spirit of humility and you need to ask God to fill in the gap for you. You need to admit to God that you don't have what it takes, that you do feel overwhelmed, that, that you can't meet everyone's expectations. And I believe that when you do that, God is going to do for you exactly what he did for King Solomon. He'll fill the gap. He'll give you the wisdom and the knowledge that you need so that you can meet the expectations that he has for your life. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking specifically at chapter seven and eight, where Solomon is sharing what I believe is some of the best advice that he has ever given to people. I want you to know about these pages, that there's real wisdom on these pages. I want you to know that it's just not theoretical. It is incredibly practical, and I want you to understand that, and I want you to be okay with that. A lot of people walk into church thinking God only cares about my spiritual life. God only cares about my eternal life. That is not true. The God in heaven loves you so much that he actually cares about what's going on in your life right now and how do you deal with the challenges that you're up against day in and day out. And so what he's done is he's preserved incredible amounts of wisdom that will help you deal with the real challenges that you're up against. It's great advice. Now, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about advice, okay? We all know that not all advice is good advice, right? Can we just start there, okay? I was reading some articles this last week where people were actually talking about some of the greatest advice that they've ever gotten, and other people were talking about some of the worst advice that they've ever gotten. It was comical, so I thought I would get us rolling today by just talking about this. I read this from one guy named John. He said that the best advice he ever got in his life was this. Don't sign up for college classes that start at 8 a.m. Now, I'm curious, how many of you think that's great advice? Let me see your hands. Okay. A lot of you think that's great advice. And I would agree. 
if you're 18, 19, or 20 years old. But John was 53, okay? If that's the best advice that you've ever gotten in your life and you're 53 years old, the people in your life have let you down, okay? Your parents have let you down. Your friends have let you down. You need a new group of people that you can do life with, okay? How about this one? Chelsea, 26 years old. She said that taking care of your body is really important. Now, I read that and I think, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Chelsea. Like, I I can track with you on that. I agree. But then she added this little nugget. She said, if you can't tone it, tan it. (laughs) I'm done with you, Chelsea, okay, whoever you are. How about this one? We've all heard this one before. Fake it until you make it. How, How many of you think that's great advice? Let me see your hands. Okay, For all of you who just raised your hands, let me just say, just because it rhymes, that that doesn't make it great advice, okay? Or how about this one? My, My buddy Leonard actually gave me this advice once. He said, do not ask your wife when dinner will be ready while she's mowing the lawn. That is great advice, all right? Now... I want to say that Solomon's advice in these two chapters, it's way better than any of that advice that we just read together. In fact, his wisdom is so powerful that it has the ability to unlock things in your mind so that you can move forward even when you didn't feel like you could move forward. Solomon's wisdom is so powerful that it gives you the perspective that you need at the time in your life when you needed it the most. And this is what great advice does, is it creates the potential and the possibility for you to experience a real breakthrough in life. It eliminates fear. It eliminates fog so that you can see a situation very clearly and so that you can navigate the days ahead. And this is why I really do believe that we are all just one good piece of advice away from experiencing a real breakthrough in our lives. And I want to actually share one of those pieces of advice with you today. It's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10. It's the only verse in Ecclesiastes that we're going to look at today. And this is what Solomon wrote. He said, do not ask, why were the old days better than these, for it is not wise to ask such questions. So I want you to think about all that you're dealing with in life right now. I I want you to think about the season of life that you're in. I want you to think about all that's going on in our world, and I want to read it to you one more time. Solomon said, do not ask, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Now, this is not just a great piece of advice. This is an incredible piece of wisdom that so many of us need to hear right now, given the season that we're in. Most people, they live their lives, and as they live their lives, they're thinking primarily about what is right 
and what is wrong. And I think that is a great way for us to live our lives. In fact, I think we would all be better off if there was a stronger sense of morality in our world and in our lives today. And so we definitely need to be thinking like that. But we also need to understand that there are some days when right and wrong is not the right question. See, it's not always about what is right and what is wrong. Some days, It's about what is wise and what is foolish. Knowing that, King Solomon says at the very end of this verse that it's foolish for you to ask such questions. He's not saying that it's morally wrong for you to ask this question, but he is saying that it's not wise for you to ask this question. And so let's think together about the question itself. Solomon sees in his day, I see a lot of people in our day who are asking this question, why were the old days better than these? You ever hear people talk about the good old days? Anybody? Yeah, maybe your parents talk about the good old days. Maybe your grandparents talk about the good old days. A lot of people spend a lot of their time thinking about the good old days. Now, Solomon says that it's really foolish of us to compare our present days with the quote-unquote good old days. He knows, he understands that there is nothing good that will come from that line of thinking, but there is a lot of bad that can come from that line of thinking. And I want you to see why. And so let's go back in time. Old Testament book, There's a story over and over again about this group of people who were known as the Israelites. The Israelites were people who were straight up delusional in their thinking about the good old days. And I would say that when you look at these people, they are living what I believe is a very dangerous life because they're comparing present days to what they thought were the good old days. God loved these people. He loved them so much that he saw the difficult situation that they were in. They they were living in a place called Egypt, and they were suffering as slaves. They had spent many years of their lives enduring horrific conditions. Life for them in Egypt, it was absolutely horrible. In fact, it was so bad, the Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 1, verse 14 tells us that the Egyptians made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Life in Egypt was really hard for the Israelites. In fact, we're told later in the same chapter, verse 22, that Pharaoh gave an order to all of his people in Egypt. And this was the order. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. This was life for the Israelites while they were living in the land of of, of Egypt. That these people who were sometimes called Hebrews were enduring terrible life and work conditions. They were working brutal jobs. We know from the Old Testament they endured brutal beatings. They would stand on the riverbank and they would watch their little boys drown and die in the Nile River. 
But because God loved them so much, God said, I'm going to intervene on your behalf and I'm going to change life for you. So God intervened. He delivered them from slavery in Egypt. In fact, while they were in Egypt, God said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt and I'm going to take you into what God was calling the promised land. It was an incredible land where the people would have everything they ever needed. In Numbers chapter 13, they come to the edge of the promised land. These people are on the brink of the greatest moment of their lives, but they were afraid. They looked in the promised land and they saw that people in the land were bigger. They saw people in the land were stronger than they were. And because the Israelites had no faith in God and his goodness, they decided that they were afraid to go into the promised land. In fact, listen to what we're told in Numbers chapter 14, verse 4. The text says there that they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And I read that and I think, are you kidding me? You want to go back to Egypt of all places. You want to go back to the the good old days in Egypt where you were working ruthless jobs, where you were enduring terrible beatings, where you were watching your little boys drown and die in the Nile River. Those are the good old days that you're really talking about. Those are the good old days that you really want to go back to. And Solomon, knowing their history as a nation, would just look at that and go, it's really, really foolish for you to think like that. It's foolish because that right there will create for you a life that you do not want to live. Jesus would admit it's foolish But Jesus would even go further and say it's actually counterproductive to the life that God wants for you. Listen to what Jesus said, Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. See, Jesus isn't just asking you to follow him because it has implications for your eternal life. Jesus is asking you to follow him because it has implications for your life here on this earth right now. Jesus has called you into relationship with him because he has a great purpose for your life. But Jesus also knows that you can never fulfill your purpose on this earth as long as you're looking back at the past. And a lot of us need to hear this. There are a lot of people in the world today who are so busy looking back that they can't enjoy or experience all that God has for them out in front of them. So you can't have the family that God wants you to have when you're always looking up your ex on Instagram or Facebook to see what they're doing. God has something great for you, and it's right in front of you, but you'll never experience his best in your future when you're always looking back at the past. Some of you, you look back at the past and you can't let the past go. You have a past that was full of some awful sin. And God has forgiven you because of what Jesus has done. But you can't forgive yourself. And so you can't experience all that God wants for you. Because you're always thinking about what is in the past. For others of you, you can't experience the life that God wants you to live. Because there's a sinful past that you can't let go of. 
You enjoyed that sin, and instead of embracing all that God has for you and leaving that life of sin, you continue to go back to it again and again and again. You can't experience all that God has for you in the future when you always are looking back in the past. And unfortunately, this is a huge struggle for so many people. Typically, I notice that people are asking this question after they've experienced some kind of major change in their life. For whatever reason, change is hard for a lot of people. And it's especially difficult when, when you're kind of in that season of transition like the Israelites were in. Because when you're in that season of transition, what's happened is you've already had to let go of the past, but you haven't been able to fully embrace all that God has for your future. And so you've lost the past, but you haven't really gained the future. And in those moments, frustration starts to creep into our lives. And what happens to us is we end up complaining about the present while we sit around glorifying the past. I want you to know something. The present is not as bad as you think it is. And the past is not as good as you remember. You need to know that. The present, it's not as bad as you think it is. And the past, I promise you, it is not as good as you remember. I know from life experience, about five years ago, we moved here from Ohio. And when we moved here, we watched our kids struggle with this very question. We were all in the middle of major change in our lives. We were kind of in that season of transition like the Israelites were in. The kids had already had to let go of all of their old friendships in Ohio, but they hadn't fully made new friends here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast yet. And what they were doing is they kept thinking about, that. they kept talking about how great things used to be. How well do you think they were going to make friends here when all they could think about were their friends back there? They were stuck thinking about the way things used to be rather than focusing on how to create a better life in the here and in the now. For some of you, it's not a big move. For some of you, you've lost a loved one. And because you lost that loved one, all you can think about is how great things used to be. You, you can't live in the present because you're stuck always thinking about the past. And what's happened to your life is things have changed, circumstances have changed, and because you don't like your present reality, you keep looking back at the past and all you can think about is how great things used to be. Some people change jobs. They've left their old job that they were really good at. They knew the system. They knew the people. They go to this new job. They're still learning the new job. They don't understand the systems. They have no favor with the people, no track record, no street cred. And so they're having to start all over again. And they find themselves in a place where they're not liking the new reality. And so what you're doing is you're thinking about how great things used to be. 
I know other people who retire, and as soon as they retire, they sit there and they think, what am I supposed to do in this new season of retirement? What am I supposed to do with my time? Do I even have a purpose in my life anymore? And they think back to the days when they used to have a job, and it felt like they had some sense of purpose in their life, and all they can think about is how great things used to be. I know other people who who are married and then they get divorced and all they can think about is how great things used to be when they were married and they hate coming home to an empty house where they're all alone. I know other people who were single and then they get married and then they sit there and they think about how great things used to be when they were living the single life. They were single and ready to mingle, if you know what I'm saying. Like, like, like this is the way we are. It doesn't matter what situation we find ourselves in. We all think in very similar ways. We struggle with this question. When we don't like the new normal, we start to dwell on how great things used to be. In fact, There's a guy named Bruce Springsteen. You may have heard of him. Uh, He actually wrote a song about this very issue. Anybody know the song that I'm thinking of? Glory Days. It's exactly right. It's a song. It's all about him running into old high school friends who can't stop talking about the way things used to be. Right? In fact, there's a line at the end of the song. He said, well, time slips away and it leaves you with nothing, mister, but boring stories about glory days. It's high school friends who all they can talk about is how great things used to be. When things change and it's not the kind of change that you wanted to see in your life, we start thinking and talking about the glory days. We spend all of our time fantasizing about how great things used to be. Now, I want you to know that this has always been a struggle for people. Okay, We've always struggled with this. I'll remind you that Solomon wrote this book about 3,000 years ago. Okay, And so as relevant as, as, as relevant as it was for Solomon back then, 3,000 years ago, I, I want you to know it is even more relevant for those of us who are living today. Recently, I read an article by an author and a blogger named Kerry Newhoff. This was the title of the article. 2019 is dead. Why every leader should stop trying to go back to the way it was. Powerful article that acknowledges the fact that there are a lot of people today in 2021 who can't stop thinking about the way it used to be in 2019. So let me ask you, do you find yourself thinking about or wishing that things would somehow go back to the way that it used to be or to the way that it was? Let me tell you, there are a lot of leaders in a lot of businesses There are a lot of pastors in a lot of churches. There are a lot of educators and administrators. There are a lot of doctors and a lot of nurses. There are a lot of people in the military. A lot of people out at Ingalls right now who are thinking about the way that it used to be because for them, life felt like it really was better back then. 
I'll tell you this, I've struggled with this issue way more than you could probably realize. In 2018 and 2019, it felt very much like we were on a winning streak in this church. It felt like God was blessing everything we did. We were experiencing growth that was even hard to imagine or even hard to manage. It was incredible. And then a global pandemic hit that affected this church. It affected every single church in the country. And I found myself wrestling with and trying to figure out how do I just get things back to the way they used to be in 2019. And about six months ago, before we ever started our study in the book of Ecclesiastes, I was reading my Bible one day and I read Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10, and God took me to the woodshed and he said, boy, you better stop thinking about the past and start thinking about the present and the future. You have got to stop thinking about the good old days. And it was a defining moment in my life. I wrote Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 10 on my board. I wrote the entire verse out and I have not erased it in the last six months. You can walk in my office right now and it's still front and center on the board because I understood that if I don't stop thinking about the past, I'm never going to be able to move into the future. And there are a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders, a lot of people who just continue to think to themselves, well, we just haven't seen the same level of productivity since 2019. We just haven't seen the same level of income since 2019. I just haven't been as happy as I was back in 2019 and we can't let go of the past. And while this is a really common struggle, it's a really common question that we wrestle with, we need to understand it is harmful, it is not helpful at all. You ever hear people say that there's no such thing as a stupid question? That's wrong, okay? Solomon is saying this right here it is a really stupid question, okay? Nothing good is going to come from you asking this question. And I want to show you why. People who want to go back, they will never be able to go forward. People who are thinking about the past, they get stuck in fantasy world and they become completely ineffective in the real world. People who are living in the past, they cannot create a better future. They cannot navigate the, the present circumstances. And this is part of the reason why it's so unhealthy and so destructive for you to keep thinking about this question. If you're here today and you're struggling with this, you need to know I have a couple of fears for you as your pastor. If you don't break out of this today and be able to move on and just let go of the past. One of the fears that I have for you is that this question is going to drive you to either become an angry person or a depressed person. The people who get angry over the past changing and things aren't as good as they used to be are the people who have the fight instinct. The people who get depressed because the present days are not as good as the good old days, they're the people who have the flight instinct. And there are a lot of people in the world right now who are either really, really angry 
or they're really, really depressed because they don't like the way their lives have changed or they don't like the way our world has changed. Listen, I want you to understand something. You were not made to live in the past and you were not made to live in the future. You were made by God to take it one day at a time and to always live in the present. If you're trying to live too far in the future, here's what it's going to do is it's going to create massive amounts of anxiety in your life. This is why Jesus told us, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. So stop living too far in the future and definitely do not live in the past because when you struggle with the past, you either become angry or you become depressed. And God doesn't want that for your life. But let me say this, anger and depression are not the only problems. There is another problem that's created when you're always comparing present days to the past days. Craig Rochelle says it this way. He says, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I want you to think about that. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if your strongest thoughts are always about sin, your life is always going to be moving in the direction of sin. If your strongest thoughts are always about Jesus, then your life is always going to be moving in the direction of Jesus. But if your mind is always thinking about the past, then your life very quickly will get stuck in the past. And God doesn't want that for you. It's why you have to stop focusing on the past that you can't control. And you have to start thinking about present days that you can't control or that you have influence over. And if you don't get this right, I'm telling you, you will never be able to experience God's best for your life. You'll never be able to carry out the purposes and the plans that he has for your life. I want you to listen to how the Apostle Paul said it in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. He wrote this, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal. He's like, I'm not there yet. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying all of us who are followers of Jesus, we need to forget the past and we need to focus instead on what God is calling us to in our lives in the present. And I'm telling you, this right here, it is one of the keys to helping you experience a breakthrough in your life. It's one of the keys in order for you to experience all that God has for you, in order for you to get through and to get out of a really difficult season that so many people feel stuck in. And so I want to end by asking you this question. Are your best days behind you or is it possible that your best days are still in front of you? I believe that you get to decide. If you spend all your life thinking about the past, 
th- then your best days are probably behind you. But, but I do not believe that it has to be that way. I really do believe that God wants to do great things in and through your life. I believe that he wants to do great things in and through my life. But in order for that to happen, in order for us to be used by God, in order for our lives to make a difference, I have to live in the present, not the past. And so do you. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for your word and I thank you for the way that it speaks to our lives in the here and the now. God, we thank you for caring enough about our lives. Thank you for caring enough about the fact that sometimes we get stuck in the past, that that you would speak, that you would preserve practical wisdom that, that, that is the advice that we need in the season that we need it. God, I pray over your people. I pray, God, that they might be willing to let go of the past, that that they might be willing to just live in the present, taking it one day at a time, focused on the future that you have for us. God, I just pray that, that you would use this message and this passage to create a breakthrough in our lives. And I pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.